Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are here as usual and we're brought to you this week by Beer 52. It's award season at Beer 52 HQ at the moment, so they're sending out a case of the highest rated beers from the last 12 months as voted by their 150,000 members. Oh, no biggie. If you've been on the fence about trying it, Now's the time. Each case of eight beers comes with an award-winning beer magazine and some snacks as well. And there's no minimum commitment. So you can just take the free case, try the beers, see what you think. Um, and if it's not for you, you can pause or cancel at any point. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and cover the postage. That's the word beer followed by the number 52.com forward slash rugby to get your first case of eight beers free. And you'll be supporting the rugby pod as well by doing that. I want to know who's on the fence. Who's sitting on the fence there when there's eight free beers to have? I say free, you only pay five ninety five for the postage. And we've just gone into lockdown. You need this more than ever, people. Get on the Beer52 website, beer52.com, and get the bloody beers in. Maybe they knew what was happening. That there's a vaccine. Lads, there's a vaccine. I'm coming out of the house. Thank mo- sweet Mary, mother and... Steve, you ain't coming. Are you keeping Steve tied up in the in the garage still, Jimmy? Mate, genuinely. I, I watched Bigfoot and the Hendersons last night, or whatever it was, Harry and the Hendersons. And if I was to say what Steve looks like, he looks like Harry, even though the kids think I look like Harry and the Hendersons. Have you seen it or not? <laughs> uh, I have seen it, yeah. You're, you're more like Mr. Gilmore's jacket, though, when you run. That's the one that... That's my favourite, without a shadow of a doubt. I know, but that's what my life... Who's the freak? That's what my life has come to now. It's uh, There's nothing more going on except I've watched Harry and the Hendersons. That's how shit, my, <laughs> shit things are at the minute. Actually, last week, but just before lockdown, I drove down to London to do an activation. Why are you driving again, mate? How many times have we had this conversation about... COVID safe. You, mate, you, oh yeah, fair play. But your back's gone, you're doing eight hours in the car. I mean, the complaints go on for days afterwards. Mate, you can complain all you want about it. I'm, but I don't care because there's a vaccine today. The podcast is being recorded on Monday, as we always say. Goes out Tuesday. Who knows? We could be in Ibiza with Beer 52 in our bags. Can you travel with Beer 52 or not? As long as it's under 100 mil or you pack it in your suitcase. Goody, you you know. You know, mate. When it, You know millilage when it comes to travelling. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm mad keen. But we're, hey, lads, election's over. Joe Biden, who's about 183, he's, mate, putting all his videos out there of his good life. And there's a vaccine and we're out. Goody? <laughs> Yeah, not a lot, mate. We're in lockdown, aren't we? Um, so, again, I've had to furlough the staff at home. So, me and the missus, we're, we're batting down the hatches and we are, you know, in it. What do you mean you're in it? <laughs> mate, we're just we're, in it. We're in the mix together. Mean? You know, everyone's gone. We're, we're, we're home alone with the kids. I don't get what you mean by you're in it, though. Can you please. Well, I delve just don't know how to. That? I just. We got to change my own bed sheets. How'd you do that? You have people to do that for you, right? So mate, just just leave them for a month, mate. <laughs> oh, mate, buzz him. So yeah, listen, it's um, is what it is. I, you know, we're in lockdown again. What can you say? You know, you just nothing. You can just, all you can do is nod like a lemming. If lemmings nodded, that's what we'd be doing. Well, we are nodding. Yeah. We're just agreeing. We're just falling in line. Look, let's not get political. Maybe that's maybe there's a podcast out there where we can join the political conspiracy theorists thesauruses and stuff like that and you're learning big words again aren't you jim yeah yeah you like that thesaurus is that a dinosaur <laughs> <laughs> i think it's a hybrid <laughs> so other than changing your own bed sheets goody that's about it no mate not a lot to be honest what can you say what can you do you just you know plod along the golf courses are closed so i'm devastated about that um i went and had a sunbed before lockdown 
kicked in to make myself feel better. So um, and just hang on, you know, sweated, hang on. Let, sweated for Britain down. <laughs> you lie down and sweat, don't you? I, well, I've never been on a sunbed. Let's reverse here. So you've been on a sunbed? Yeah, mate. <laughs> I thought, you know what? It's cold. My tan was sort of deserting me after Cyprus. So um, what do you mean? You, what do you mean you tan? You, you've got a, you're full of hair. So you, I mean, what, what, what do you mean a tan? <laughs> no, the missus, the missus waxes the back, doesn't she? Oh, I mean, for blokes out there. There's no nothing more painful apart from the kick in the nuts than having your back waxed. Ridiculous. So the hair's all right, Jim, but it's, you know, I thought I need to top up my tan before lockdown to make myself feel better. Mrs. went and had her nails done. Uh, you do all those things. Once the hammer came down and Boris said it's closed, it is closed. So you're on your own at home with the kids having to cook, clean, do the lot. And it's just something we're not used to, but we'll, we'll cope. We will manage. I hope you will manage. And I'm, yeah, I'm, fingers crossed for you. I'm praying for you. Anyway, Andy, more importantly, it's been a big week for you, hasn't it? Mate, it has. It's been a massive week. What's happened? I've got a, I've got a new podcast that's come out. Um, really? Oh, yeah. mate, I tell you what, you've, it's, it's a, you've really gone and gone for a niche market, haven't you? Podcasts, it's, a, it's the new thing. It's the new thing. <laughs> and you've gone and brought one out just when the world needs another podcast. Fucking hell, we don't. <laughs> I mean, tell me, what's it called? What's it called? Something original. Yeah, it's not about me. It's um, it's you know, as as you know, I'd like to make it about the guests. So, what's it called then? Something original. Come on, the Andy Rowe Show. Oh, oh god, shit! It's not oh, about shit. me. It's not about me though. I'll be honest. I did listen to the trailer, and you know when something's good because I was slightly jealous because I need another podcast in my life uh, because there's not many out there at the minute, and I did. I liked it. I liked the jingle. I liked the the guests that you, you have already had in the pipeline, ready to go. Do you guys want to listen to the trailer? Oh, go on then. Hi, I'm Andy Rowe and welcome to The Andy Rowe Show. Despite the name, the show is nothing about me. It's all about finding and telling other people's incredible stories. For each guest, I've done hours and hours of research. So you can just sit back and listen to some quality content. I'm hoping that every episode's entertaining, emotional or educational. Maybe it's one of those... Maybe it's all three. I'll let you be the judge. These girls come in with burkas, then turn into European porn stars. There's people smoking weed, there's cocaine, everything. They throw petrol bombs at each other and there'd be rubber. It's very violent. A lot of people were shot and killed, you know what I mean? I've been aware that I've been in the death zone for like 14 hours, but then I started to feel like really, really ill. And I'd not really had any idea how long I'd been stood there not breathing any oxygen. We normally put the jet on its side, so to roll it right onto its side, 90 degrees, hold it on the top rudder, just to show them that we're full of missiles and we're not here really to mess about. This grizzly was making headway towards us, looking angry. Honest to God, all the situations I've ever been in, that was probably the most scared I've ever been. My backside fell out. My great-grandfather's older brother was the leader of a Peaky Blinder gang and my great-grandfather was a Peaky. Thanks again for listening and make sure you've subscribed so you get notified when we release a new episode. It'd be amazing if you can leave a review on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. And if you've enjoyed any of the episodes, share it with your family or your friends or on social media to help spread the word. You can get in touch or follow me on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram by searching at Andy Rowe Show. Thanks again for your support. Well, shall we talk about some rugby now? Mate, you, are you sure you want to talk rugby, Andy Rowe? <laughs> what do you guys make of the Bledisloe Cup game? Did you watch that? What do you guys make of the two red cards? Well, my good friend Petrus Duplessis has gone that way, has gone south. My former Saracens teammate 
Uh, ironically, I was going to post a picture of when we played Gloucester and he is literally 30 metres up in the air because of the power coming from behind and he's up against Nick Wood. And I didn't want to post it because I didn't want to belittle him. And I know there's a load of debate around it. So before the podcast, I have gone back and looked at them. Lachlan, Swinton, hell of an ear on him as well for a lad on debut. Yeah, hang him, wasn't it? Yeah, hang him. And Tungafasi, the New Zealand props, tackles. They're red cards. Uh, as much as we have spoken about it and loads of people have spoken about it, it's almost as if it's it's because of the interaction of people saying there shouldn't have been red cards, all the old school saying that the red cards are ruining the game. It's almost what we were talking about a year ago. It could have even been two years ago in terms of red cards. And it all stemmed back to Will Spencer's one for Leicester, if you remember. And he got red card, didn't he, at the beginning of the season. We were like, what's going on here? There's uproar. No, you said that, Jim. I thought it was a red. Okay, well, I, yeah. Now, I'm watching that. As soon as I saw both tackles, red card. There's, there's nothing more you, you can say. Do I want it to be a red card? No. Do I understand why? Yes. And the players know as well. Stone, yellowed, walled, breeze blocks, whatever you want to say. Red cards, unfortunately, but fortunately for the the health of professional athletes, professional rugby players, young men's heads. Yeah, and that's what that is what it's about, isn't it? Swinton, his was worse, I think, to be honest, the way it looked. But Tunga Fassi, he's kind of lined him up from a, a good few metres away, hasn't he? And well, t- Tunga Fassi's a really good tackler. Normally, he yeah. absolutely... Ba- if you watch the Arte Roa... But he's got previous as well, hasn't he? Yes, and I think that's the thing now where you could be looking at, you know, Swinton's got a four-week ban. Tunga Fassi's is later in the week in terms of a hearing. And he may get more. There could have been a bit of mitigation for Tunga Fassi because I actually thought there was a late dip. Yeah, well, well right. The, the winger's foot looked like it slipped. But again, that's us trying to find something, isn't it, good? Because there is, there's always something around them ones. Because it is a... We, we know now because we're perceived experts. We're not because a lot of the time we still get it wrong but we know the game but if you're a casual fan you could be like oh I don't know it's a yellow card like he's, he's not hitting straight in the head he's hitting in, in the neck or in the jaw but that's still a red card as we know yeah but if you if you actually look at the, the Tunga Fassi's technique he doesn't try and dip at all does he he's just going he's actually going chest uh, and he's trying to make the big hit and he's quite upright the way, way he hits he you know they're trying to get players to lower the sights of the tackle so that's why actually when you go he dipped a little bit because his leg got to it's irrelevant. You know, Tunga Fassi has looked at him from a good five, six metres away and, and thought he's having it. And it, there's no malice in him. He's not, he's not thinking he's having it, I'm going to try and take his head off. He's thinking I'm, he's having it, I'm going to hit him in the chest up top. Well, Benjamin Pierce has raised the old debate about orange cards on Instagram and says he's in favour of them because he thinks only deliberately violent or completely reckless acts should be punished with red cards. So what do you guys think? People say it ruins the game. There's the chat around, you know, do you want to bring an orange card in or a purple card or uh, my favourite colour is pink card? Whatever you, card you want to bring in to actually say that fella goes off for a period of time. And then you've got the argument of, as it's not, you know, there's, there's no malice in it and it's not, you know, a deliberate act of foul play, like a punch or a kick or something, which are clear red cards. You know, they're, they're kind of saying, oh, give an orange card and... and that that guy goes off for 10 minutes and then you can bring a replacement on. I still don't think 10 minutes is enough to, to try and eradicate behaviour because that's what it's trying to do. World Rugby have bought it all out across the world 18 months ago at least now. And yet we're still talking about it now and, and players, you know, Tonga Fassi will get a decent ban and you hope that, and it sounds bad, but you hope that the more players see bigger instances like that, it gets eradicated from, from players' you know behaviours. I think if there's a 50-50 and you make contact with the head... 
then you take the 50-50 out of it. And the likelihood is, unless there is a clear mitigation, the guy is falling, the, you know, the opposition player is falling, and as the tackler, you are in a low position to make the tackle, then arguably, you know, we, we, can, we can sit here and, and we can talk about it and, and things might change around that. But, you know, these two at the weekend, both tacklers and Nick Berry, the referee, said it. He said, both of you... In his opinion, but not his opinion, in the the law book and the way that you look at players' body positions, you know Sam Whitelock, six foot seven, six foot eight. Swinton needs to go lower. And when you say lower, and we've spoken about it before, your optimum tackler probably in the world is Sam Underhill. Now, do you want to encourage players to go that low? And Sam's had his fair share of concussions, hasn't he, from the way that he tackles. And again, that's something that we've spoken about on here around, is it better to go low or, to, or two players go low? But I think there is no grey area, really. If you're going to tackle upright like that with force and you connect with the head, you're off, boss. And th- there is this talk around an orange card or whatever. I don't think the orange card is around that. For me, the orange card would maybe come into effect with a high ball goes in the air. Another thing that we've spoken about around the game, two players go for it. One of them gets their judgment just wrong, but they're looking at the ball and the opposition player lands dangerously and that player needs to be removed from the field. And we've seen games, you know, there was a game Saracens and Ulster where Jared Payne got sent off, didn't he? Um, You've got to let Saracens go now, mate. It's been yeah, years. Yeah, I know. I'm just, try- I'm just trying to draw, draw personal comparisons um, <laughs> that I've been in and seen where you can say that they're orange cards. But for me, a tackle with force when the tackler's not bolt upright but hardly really bent and a shoulder is connected to the head with force. Regardless of what we thought or what I think now, and I've given my thoughts, I think it's integral and imperative, two bloody great words, look at me reading that Theosaurus dinosaur, that if a shoulder connects with the head, you're off, boss. Is that the official line, you're off, boss? You're, or bozzer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a chat about the Autumn Nations Cup now because that's starting this weekend. We've teamed up with Level Rugby ahead of it to get you guys a 15% discount on their site by using the code RugbyPod15 with an unrivaled range of international gear available as well as the latest Alliance stash. Make yeah. sure you take advantage and just visit levelrugby.co.uk and use the code RugbyPod15 to get 15% off everything. Well, Ireland v Wales kicks off the tournament on Friday night. So how do you guys see that going? Oh, God. we got no fans. We know that. What else do we know? Wales haven't got a defence coach. They've got, Gethin, they've got Gethin Jenkins. Apparently, apparently, from what I'm hearing, is he, he moans more than I've ever moaned in my entire life. That's tough as well. That is tough. I saw myself as a sapogizer. So I sap, pull the energy out. But I energize, hence the jize bit at the end. Sapogizer. So I sap the energy with banter and fun and love and then put it back in by giving people, giving players a process to go through to optimize themselves. Has Gethin Jenkins got that in the locker? I don't know. Again, it's a rhetorical question. Well, I just I need to question you on this because you, you said you sap the energy out of everyone by giving great banter and you know all that stuff. And then you... Well, I can't. I don't understand. How, how do you say you put it back in? There's a fine line between being honest and being negative. I've always said it. <laughs> so the sapogizer. I think what you meant was you sap the life out of people by moaning, and then you energize them by giving a load of banter and playing the fool. Right? Oh, did I do it the wrong way? Did I? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
either way, problems, problem maker, problem solver. That's all I know. Yeah, and it's ironic, isn't it? You know, we're sat here um, on Monday, the 9th of November, and it is 13 years to the day since Warren Gatland took over as Wales coach. And, you know, you look at the highs and lows through Gats's reign and you move on, don't you? So PVAC takes over and, you know, we, we've said they're in transition. We had a big chat about it last week. It went viral around Jim Hamilton saying Alan Wynne jones should just retire now. Bang out of order, mate. What about some of the messages I was getting in as well? <laughs> Were you getting pelters? Yeah, but it was... You Sometimes you have time to reflect, don't you? You think, should have I said it? Shouldn't have I said it? And people are like, who's Jim Hamilton? Well... You know, he was crap. He was crap for Scotland. What's that got to do with anything? What, <laughs> what has my playing ability got to do with me passing truth. judgment? You can't handle the truth. Um, so again, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to apologise. I'm not going to apologise. Yeah, and it is one of them. And you know, we, we've spoken about. The, there's the whole saga around Sean Edwards. You know, they, they've obviously got rid of Hayward now, who's their defence coach. The, the issues around Sean Edwards. He wanted a four-year deal. Uh, the WIU wouldn't give him a four-year deal because um, all the coaches had a effectively a two-plus-two, didn't they? So Pivak and Stephen Jones. Um, there's a release clause after two years that the WIU can make a change. And, and Sean didn't want that, and rightly so, because of what he's achieved. Now look at France, how well they're going. And now look at Wales, how badly they're going. And, you know, they're, they're obviously handling the defence in-house. Um, Wales will pull through, but like Jim said last week, we, we covered it. They are massively in transition. Um, Ireland, how do they bounce back this week after their pretty poor showing, I'm going to say, over in France? Um, the whole Sexton-Farrell uh, issue that's been blown up again in the press and you know Sexton's come out and apologised after we spoke about it again last week on the pod. Um, I can only see an Ireland victory, I really can. There'll be another talking point around the 15, the Stockdale, <laughs> the horse, uh, whether... He's going to be whether he's good enough to play fifteen. Now, I don't want to be horrible. We love him. We've talked him up every time, but he was poo in his last game. He was. You're um, horrible, Jim. Mate, you are horrible. Again, I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I'm so negative at the minute. But so, from, hold on a minute. Let's just discuss this. Last two weeks, you've gone for Sexton and Alan Jones, and now you're after Jacob Stockdale. What is wrong with you? You're horrible, Jim. <laughs> if I would have played the way that Stockdale did, I would have been well happy. I'll be honest. But from <laughs> from his level is what I'm saying because there's a lot of talk whether or not he is a 15 or not, and he's got big boots to fill. Rob Carney's. Makes with Joe Biden apparently, but he, he's he's now gone. We've got Jordan Lam who's who's injured for for a while it seems. So there's a lot of talk around the back three of Ireland and Jacob Stockdale because he's such a good winger. It's not that oh he ain't going to be in the team. James Lowe as well. How good seeing him? Well, he's in. He's without a shadow of a doubt. He's in. Get him to say Ireland if anyone interviews him at the weekend. Ireland. That's how he says it. Ireland. But uh, I can't see anything past anyway. And answers your question, Andy wrote. I can't see anything but an Irish victory on Friday. Neat. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Obviously, you've got Conway who could play 15. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, James Lowe is starting on the wing for Ireland. He is unbelievable. We've had him on the pod. We've, we've had him at a live show over in Dublin. He's a proper, proper gentleman. A hell of a baller as well. Um, so he's on the wing. So then you're looking at two out of three for Stockdale, Conway. Keith Earls is back. No, I, I, they'll probably stick with Stockdale at 15. Do you reckon? One, one bad game really doesn't <laughs> I don't know maybe it's me maybe it's my fault again I'm absolutely Judas and everyone <laughs> you're horrible Jim horrible bloke Hayward what happened there with him and Wales the proofs in the pudding mate they got beat by Scotland and that's it they're like oh we've been beat by Scotland no one loses to Scotland pal do they 
Well, you say that. France did, Italy no, did, Wales did, Australia, South Africa in recent times. I'm sure we beat England Where, as well. When? Well, when, we drew with them, but we beat them. Well, a few years ago, mate. Don't matter. We still did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think obviously pressure's come on, hasn't it? You know, Pivac's, he is under pressure. Um, and probably the, the, the way the contracts fall, you know, we're talking fairly brutally about people's jobs here, but the way contracts fall, Pivac's got a two-year deal effectively and the WIU can go somewhere else after two years. Now, you see defence isn't working particularly well after it's been a absolute strength of Welsh rugby for the last few, last 10 years under um, Sean Edwards. So he's probably thinking, actually, I've got to make a change. If I don't make a change now, then I'm not going to be able to see through my whole plan of four years or whatever. You know, because there is a certain friend of the show, Scotty Robertson, who could effectively jump in in two years' time, you reckon. He, he's after sniffs of, of international rugby. You think about who who else is there. If Pivac doesn't go well over... This autumn period, um, the Autumn Nations Cup, and then the Six Nations, if it goes ahead, that's his two years, isn't it? Effectively, they could say, actually, we need to look for someone else. And, you know, he's got to make a change now uh, and try and increase and improve results and effectiveness. And, you know, defence has been pretty poor for them recently. Obviously, Hayward has has lost his job and and now they're they're coping in-house in the short term, but they'll look for someone long-term, um, to take over post autumn internationals, I presume. Who would want the job? Mate, come on. Come on. <laughs> You're horrible. Horrible, Jim. But this is the thing. It's, it's, we've always said it's going to be so tough for anyone to take over after Gats, but... If you're someone like Scott Robertson, you want the All Blacks job, you know you ain't getting it for another four years. You might want to get a bit of international experience. Why not go to Wales? There's a proven track record there, isn't there, for Kiwis going to Wales, having the job a couple of years, then going back and getting the All Blacks job. You know, if I'm Wales and you're thinking you need a change, name someone else that's better than Scott Robertson right now. There you go, you can't. Well, it's not that. It's more the fact that... For me, I wouldn't get rid of Pivac. I think it's pretty harsh. Why are you calling for his head? I'm not calling for his head. I'm, I'm talking about the fundamentals of how his contract's written. And that's out there in the press. You know, it's two years and the WIU have a, you know, a release clause after two years for all of them. And I don't want to see people get sacked. I'm not Jim Hamilton here. I'm not calling for the end of Alan Wynne-Jones' career like Jim Hamilton is. That's not me calling the sack. The guy's a multi-millionaire. I'm not, not that that matters at all. I'm not calling but for what, anyone I'm, sacking. Yeah, I'm dealing in facts. And, you know, you have to change something pretty quickly if it's not working well and you've only got two year deal to you know to get a two year extension to the next world cup and it's bizarre times that we're living in and you know you have to if you're the WIU you have to look at all avenues and you know I think Scott Robertson would be a decent avenue England Georgia at Twickenham this weekend what sort of a team do you think it is going to go for Believe on a polar in the centre by the looks of it. <laughs> you are. Or a Mako. I could see, well, I, I'm saying as if I'm some kind of genius and I've got inside knowledge. He's actually out there in the press that he's thinking about playing a couple of hybrid players. I don't know. I had, and I don't know whether someone's told me this or I've dreamt it up or Steve in the garage has mentioned it and whispered it in my ear. Ben Earl at 13. Is that out there or is that just, am I just putting that out there? Matt, I think it's ridiculous. Why? Why do you think it's ridiculous? Because now, I don't know why I'm jumping on this Eddie Jones bandwagon. Not being asked to Georgia. Very difficult team if you play for Scotland back in the day. But he's spoken about this and Eddie Jones is clearly quite forward thinking, quite progressive. Why couldn't, for example, Ben Earl play 13? Where where would he struggle? Uh, defensively from set piece. I don't 13 think he, is I, the, Mate, 13 is the most difficult position to defend on the field from set piece. Against Georgia? 
against it, mate. Don't it doesn't matter against anyone. Don't matter who you're playing this weekend. Mate, it can't I'll be that. Think, up, mate, just heads at ruggers, mate. Heads at ruggers. <laughs> you're playing against Georgia, but you ain't doing it against France, are you? But you so no, but you might do. Yeah, it you got Ollie, you got Ollie Lawrence couple, that can play thirteen years time. Yeah, you might. Do yeah, it a couple I mean, time. you need to be doing it every week. You need to be playing to play international rugby. You know, you need to be playing that position every week. You're so boring. You're so boring now. Well, you're, you're, I think you're being ridiculous, Jim. You've gone from ending people's careers to shifting someone else's <laughs> career to 13. Uh, listen, he's got the physical attributes to, to play and the way the game is at the minute. You've got back rows now that are ridiculously fit, quick, powerful and you know, could do a job in a club sense. But international rugby is a whole different ball game. Mate, you think about the speed of international rugby compared to Premiership rugby and, and Champions Cup rugby. Benno has got athletic ability like a back, but it takes a long time in that position. And I also, you know, Eddie Jones also said he's not going to just going to give caps away for fun as well, did he? He, he said he's not going to give them away willy-nilly. And I suppose the hard thing for him is the first game is Georgia, right? So what does every coach want to do? You want to get off to a fly. You want to pick a big team. You want to pick a, a side that's going to post a decent score. If Georgia had been our third game, for example, you may have seen more rotation. But I think Eddie Jones is going to go pretty strong and... And he always talks about momentum. He doesn't talk about necessarily planning in the long term. You know, we spoke about it over the last few weeks. Some of the players that are in this squad at the minute are in there by design because of other people's injuries. More so than, you know, we, we've berated Eddie Jones at times for not giving players opportunities that are playing unbelievably well in the Premiership because he looks at it as a very different set of skills to play international rugby. So only Eddie knows, you know, and he gives sound bites to the press can't see Ben Earl at 13. I can't see Billy at 12, but it's Eddie Jones. Who knows? I've not dreamt it up. I've actually seen it. So I've just typed it in now on the old Google. And he did say something. He said something about it. He said, Eddie Jones, the coach who claims to hate experiments, has raised the possibility of starting with nine forwards and six backs. What's the biggest disaster we've ever seen in Six Nations history with the forward playing in the backs? Do you remember? I do remember because I played in the game and I scored a try after about three minutes. My only international try ever. Inga v Italy at Twickenham. Bergamasco. Bergamapo. Oh, my pass is all I'm saying. All I'm saying is he made me look unbelievable that day. I probably got mine in the match as well. But yeah, um, it's it's a whole different Who puts There's There's putting a player in the backs and then there's putting them in in the most... Difficult position. Scrum off would be the most difficult. Eh? Tell the bat that. Bend it over yeah. and try to get to every sk- breakdown. Absolutely dying. In terms of a skill set, without a shadow of a doubt, nine is the most difficult position to play in the backs. Well, we can have a chat now with the man who's trying to plot England's downfall this week. It's former Gloucester Director of Rugby, who's currently working with Georgia. David Humphreys joins us now. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Nice to join you. It's great to have you on, Humps. To see how Andy Rowe only introduced you as Gloucester, because that's what a lot of people know you for, is the Gloucester role. We've got to talk about the elephant in the room. I don't know how much you can give us, and it's great to see you sat there in some Georgia stash, but been a, <laughs> been, been one of the greatest captains Gloucester's ever had, they said, at the Gloucester Echo. Um, mate, what happened at Gloucester, Humps? Tell us, if you can tell us anything. Ah, uh, Jim, you know, you're at this stage, what are we in now? We're in November. I can barely remember what happened a few weeks ago, let alone what happened four or five months ago. And look, I mean, I don't think it's it, it says anything, but if I say it probably didn't end the way that we'd have liked, but I've some very, very good friends still involved there. Um, for me, and probably more importantly for my family, we look back on the last six years at Gloucester, on and off the pitch, on away from the club, as the six, some six best years that we've had. So we had a wonderful time. 
There we go. That's the straightest bat I've ever seen in my life. Well played. Well played, Humps. Humps, just on the Gloucester thing, and we were clearly joking before when I mentioned greatest captain. One of them, one of the greatest captains. Jim, you would shock him. I, I was. As a Gloucester fan and as a club that is always looked upon as a team that underachieves, I could never put my finger on it, right? I could never turn around and say, I just don't know why they've never got to the heights. One of the arguments could be a big turnover of coaches uh, before, kind of during now, they've, they've got a completely new coaching setup, trying to manage the expectations of the crowd. Can you give us kind of any in- insight? Because th- th- there were good times when you and Johan were obviously there. There was there were some really, really big victories and things seemed to get, look at, from the outside, that they were getting moving and, and Gloucester were going to actually do something. Top four a couple of seasons ago. But what is it? Because a lot of Gloucester fans will be interested to know is why Gloucester don't just can't get to that next level. I suppose that's a question, Jim. So many different people, whether it's as a player, supporters, coaches have asked over the course of the last number of years. And I guess it's also the attraction of the club. Um, before I went there, I only knew it as a wonderful club. Uh, as you said, a wonderful support. Um, hadn't quite hit the heights um, or the, consi- or the word everybody associates with Gloucester is really consistency. And that was one of the things that we um, obviously wanted to come in and try and establish consistency to the performance. But I've always believed that consistency in performance is also very, very closely aligned with consistency off the field, consistency in terms of the management team, and not just the coaches, but right from the top of the organisation all the way down. I believe those are very much keys to building a successful club which will then allow the team to be successful. You see it across the Premiership with other teams who have built it on that model. And while we certainly didn't get to that point as quickly as we'd liked when we first came in six years ago, um, I do believe the club was moving very much in the right direction. They they had given us um, uh, a lot of flexibility, a lot of support financially to build the team. And then unfortunately for a number of different reasons, which you've discussed, we've discussed, lots of people have discussed, it just didn't work out. And, you know, that sport, that's, that, that is the nature of professional sport, not just professional rugby union. And um, I believe it was the right time for me to move on and for the club to move on. And just with it, though, because actually we've spoken about it on the podcast, you, you, you did build, you made the playoffs, uh, which was still last season or the season before last, whichever way people look at it. I know it's quite some time ago now because of COVID, but the club was moving in the right direction and, and those building blocks were in place. Then Johan leaves. Did your position become slightly different then because obviously looking at it from the outside and I don't know too much about the players at Gloucester you were part of the the team that was looking for a new head coach as well and then you decided it wasn't right for you to, to stay at the club how do you look back at it then because it must have been pretty frustrating as well for you yeah I'd always said privately and in discussions with with Martins and Quinton the owner that I felt that um having for initially worked with Laurie Fisher um, and then when, when Johan arrived as a second coach, that was really that period of time which I had to build a coaching team and a playing team to deliver success to the club. And I had always felt that um, when Johan moved on, that would be the time that I would move on. And the circumstances which happened through um, early in the season, when we didn't perform well. We certainly didn't build um, to the level that we had the previous year, but there were lots of reasons for that off-field in terms of injuries, in terms of the disruption with the World Cup. And we didn't quite hit the, the straps in, in terms of our performance. But ultimately, it was a decision that I just felt, as I said, for the club. Uh, and uh, 
ultimately for the club, it was the right decision to move in a different direction. Good stuff. Now, we see you here now sat in your Georgian stash. My main question, the most exciting question for me, is how's your Georgian? Because Graham Roundtree had no idea what he was saying in Georgian. You must have learned some bits. Do you know what? It's, it's a funny because um, having done a long, long time ago a little bit of French and German for A-level, I thought coming in, you, you, could, you could probably try and pick up little bits and pieces. Just mash them together. <laughs> well, do, do you know what? Even trying to do that in the first meeting and listening to the, the, the guy speaking, it is completely alien to anything that I've ever come across before. And when we were in France a couple of weeks ago, we sat down and you can get these online courses, as you know, for everything. And there was an opportunity to try and learn Georgian. You listen to the first couple of words and it's not even worth trying to do anymore. It's literally, <laughs> they, they say, the only consolation is they say it's the fourth hardest language in the world to learn. So yeah, the good thing is they all speak English. And Humps, how did it come around then? Because who would have thought, you know, you go from yeah. the career that you've had as a player in coaching, Ulster, we just spoke about Gloucester there. The family are thinking it's time for maybe a long holiday out with <laughs> COVID. And next thing, you're with one of the sleeping giants of world rugby. And you just mentioned how kind of alien the environment potentially is from a language perspective. Mate, how has it come about that you coach in Georgia? You know, I've had a nice few months at home. I had the weather in Northern Ireland probably wasn't particularly conducive to much more golf at this time of year. And look, I was in you know, having a chat to, to, to World Rugby at one stage, and they said that due to what had happened with Japan having to drop out of the Autumn Nations Cup, Georgia coming in at short notice, they were looking to, to help them prepare a little bit for, for what is obviously going to be a hugely challenging few weeks playing against England, Wales and Ireland. And, you know, having never had any experience of, of international rugby and certainly not any experience of tier two international rugby, it was a, a wonderful opportunity to get involved with a, with a team that, as you said, again, has huge aspirations, but probably has a, an awful lot to do in, in order to get to the point where they can compete with the, the top tier one nations. And just on that, we friend of the show, Graham Wiggs, Villy Roundtree, uh, coached the Georgians last year at the World Cup and previously to that. And we've spoken to him at, at length and he actually fitted in quite well because he looks pretty Georgian to me with his ears. <laughs> and how David, you're a good looking old man. You know, we're looking at this. You, you stand out from the Georgians. How have you found the difference? Did you speak to Graham Wiggs, Villy Roundtree about it before you took the job? No, not I, I didn't. I, I'd spoke, spoken to a couple of the um, consultants who'd worked with the, with, with the Georgian team building into the World Cup just to get a feel for what it's about. Um, and look, it was very much, as I said, it's an opportunity for Georgia. It's one they understand the, the significance of. But as, as you guys have said previously, as I've said in a couple of different stages this last, um, last week or two, this can't be about the performance. Georgia are going in to play against some of the top teams in the world with relatively little um, preparation time with almost no game time for some of their key players. But at the same time, it is something that those players need because it'll give them a real insight into what is required to compete, to, to perform, to play against the best players, the best teams in the world, and to, to really show them what they need to do in the build-up, not just the next World Cup, but in terms of getting Georgia to playing at this level on a much more regular basis. The, the, the real challenge they have is they're stuck between... The games they play at the minute, they have a huge win ratio. They're very successful against other European teams. But then this huge step to try and cover this gap to, to Tier 1, again, it's absolutely enormous. 
And how big is that gap, Hums? Because there's a lot of talk, or there has been a lot of talk around the promotion relegation. We've seen Italy, no disrespect to them. They would, they've still got a very good first half in them, that there should be this promotion relegation. I know we spoke on the phone a couple of weeks ago before the, the Scotland game, but, but how big is the divide since you've kind of been in there, but also worked at Gloucester with, with some top players? It's obviously very difficult to make an informed decision. We've been here less than two weeks. But the initial thoughts are they are um, a wonderful group of people in terms of their staff, their support. They are desperate to, to, to show the best out of Georgian rugby, hugely disappointed with their performance against Scotland. But as you and I spoke about, it's not making excuses, but there are lots of reasons why it's going to take them some time to, to adjust to, you know, to performing at this level. The, the reality is that I think 17 of their players were back in Georgia training for the last couple of weeks. The other 18 or 19 are based in France. So it's trying to pull together all these players who are based all over the all, all over all over France with Georgian players who have played no rugby. Because while it's been great for, for lots of them to to get the experience of French rugby, there are others who haven't had a, had much game time again. And as we all know, having been involved in the game for, for a long time, it's an easy game when it's played in the computer screen. It's an easy game when you draw it up on the board. To develop as a player, you have to play rugby. You have to play rugby regularly. You have to play rugby and be coached at the right level. That allows you to fulfil your potential. And, uh, you know, Georgia um, have a lot of things in place. They have got a very good training ground back in Tbilisi, which I think you've been to, Jim. I didn't get the the, the pleasure of travelling to Tbilisi just yet. But, um, you know, they, they've got great training facilities. They're, there's a huge interest supporter base in Georgia for rugby. And um, it's now, in my, my limited opinion with the time that I've spent with them, that it's trying to find how the players get the right amount of game time after they finish at under 20 level where they have been very competitive and then building into international rugby because it's, it's a, it is a big gap. You look at some of these developing nations, uh, David, in terms of how they play. And, and listen, Georgians are known for scrummaging, big ball carrying, their line-out drive, etc. Obviously, you're there as a high-performance consultant. Their back play isn't perhaps like the Fijians, it's probably the opposite of the Fijians, really, yeah. who don't necessarily want to scrimmage. They just want to chuck it around. How much of an impact are you going to be able to have over the time that you've had so far and over this period around upskilling players? Or is it mainly just focusing on looking at it game by game and how to cope with these massive challenges that are ahead of you? Coming in, when we first spoke, when Neil Doak and I were really approached to come in and work with him, you're right, it was very much a focus on trying to expand a little bit of their game, bring it a different attacking edge to what they've done previously. And then probably based on the Scottish performance, before you can start looking at that, you've got to get your set piece right. You've got to get your defence right. You've got to get your kick chase right. All the, the fundamentals that underpin not just international rugby, but underpin rugby at every level. So that's been very much the focus um, for the players when they were back in Georgia and very much going into the England game this week. You know, we all know what how good England are. No matter what team, what they pick, they will be very, very strong. So for us, it's been a case of trying to make sure that we're um, clear in the plan that we want the players to implement on Saturday and then putting a training programme in place this week that will allow them to do that. And that's very much the coach's expertise. I would love to be a coach goodie, but uh, unfortunately, that's not something I'm good enough at. We didn't say that. 
Um, Hums, how do you measure success across this tournament then? Um, because the question is going to still be there. People are going to be looking at Italy. They're going yeah. to be looking at Fiji. They're obviously going to be looking at yourselves, uh, the Georgian team, to see how in the future going forward the Six Nations can evolve. And then that's been a question that's been looming around. So there'll be a kind of underlying pressure, I suppose, from a Georgian point of view, whether or not you can perform is probably the, the kind of big word. But how do you measure success over these next few weeks? For me, success, if you, if you re- rewind the clock 12 months ago to, to the World Cup, where Georgia had hoped to go in and, and you know, they, they were disappointed with their performance against Wales. They obviously beat Uruguay. They were very disappointed with the level of their performance against Fiji, where they were beaten quite well. And then were actually very competitive against Australia. Based on that, um, they then had a number of their senior players who had been the, really the backbone of the international team for the last decade, all retired. So they... On that, then, Georgia have tried to rebuild over the course of the last nine months. That has been impacted by COVID. So coming in here, when you look at how do you measure success, you certainly don't measure it. And I'm bound to say this, but you certainly don't measure it against results. For me, one of the key things for this weekend is that we play better than we played against Scotland. Those basics that didn't happen, um, they have got to be in place for England. Uh, and then over the course of the next three weeks, the team will get better and better because the more time they have coaching at the right level, the more time a lot of these players have playing, it will be testing, it will be challenging, but it will make them better players. And ultimately that's what, um, for me, success in this competition will be that Georgia come out the back end of that final game in the beginning of December with the experience that they know that in order to move to this next level that they want to do to whether that's, Six Nations or as part of the next World Cup cycle, those young players who will get lots of game time are better players because of it. And one of the things you mentioned there around the Six Nations, um, you know, Jim mentioned it earlier as well, everyone's calling for this kind of game to be played between whoever finishes bottom of the Six Nations, which normally is Italy or Scotland, um, coming up against whoever wins the, the B Six Nations, which has perennially been Georgia. Are they in camp talking about that sort of thing? Or do they feel that there's a significant opportunity there. Um, and if they do look at it and go, oh, you know, we'd give it a better shot than Italy at the minute, is it something that's been spoken about? Not, not in conversations that I've been involved in. This has been very much, everybody understands the opportunity, goody that is here for Georgia because of the, the short-term nature of the, the involvement. There probably hasn't been that longer-term view taken yet. That's something that I think that Georgia, as they then plan for the future, what that looks like, you'll know that they're in discussions with the South African Rugby Union about getting a yeah. club team in there to give those players some game time, whether it's at Curry Cup or, or, or but around that provincial level. And that's definitely the stepping stone that they need to get to allow those players who are, who are Georgian-based to um, experience higher-level rugby on a more regular basis. So, you know, for me at the minute, as, as part of this squad, that's not a conversation that's been ongoing. But I think when everybody sits back and reflects on it, they understand that, you know, if, if for Georgia to progress, they've got to be able to show that they can not win games necessarily, but they can compete. And then, Humps, just before you go, there's a lot of talk, and we were just speaking about it before we got you on the call, around this England team, and there's whispers of a 9-6 split, and we were talking about a Ben Old maybe playing 13. Is it a ridiculous thing, us talking about this, or do you think the future could potentially look, you know, around a Jack Knoll playing on the flank, which Eddie Jones has spoken about before. When you hear that, are you thinking, actually, this could be a thing to evolve the game? 
think I'd probably be much happier if England picked 15 backs this weekend as a starting point. <laughs> <laughs> and so where that goes. Ah, look, you know, the, the game is always evolving. For me, one of the things that Rugby Union has always said, it's for all shapes and sizes. It's a bit of a cliche, but shapes and sizes, you want to have, be able to distinguish between positions. There are very position-specific skills required for to, to be the best teams. But I do think then, at the same time, when you see the way the game um, is evolving, it is becoming about power athletes. It's about being able to hold on to the ball in the right areas of the pitch, get over the game line. So I, I can understand why that discussion is going on. How far away? I have no idea. It's beyond, beyond my thinking at this stage. My only concern really is getting ready for England and uh, hoping that uh, the, the, the preparation that we do allows the Georgian players to show what they're capable of. Last thing from me, obviously, you know, you're in for the Autumn Nations Cup with Georgia on a consultancy basis. You know, I know you can't ever think about what's going to happen too far ahead. You were Gloucester head coach, director of rugby, um, you know, just six months ago. Have you got plans? I know you've moved back to Northern Ireland as well. Have you got some plans set in stone that you want to look into? Um, are you just seeing what's out there post this tournament? Or is this potentially a long-term role with Georgia as well? Honestly, because it came up so quickly, it's not something that I, I really have given any thought to as I said it was a huge opportunity a huge honour to be involved with them through this period and I, I guess it's a, a case of getting to know Georgia getting to know Georgia rugby getting to know the players and the staff here and, and, and vice versa from their side and um, we've all been around long enough to know you never rule anything out you never rule anything in and that uh, particularly in the nature of professional sport opportunities arise at different times and often when you least expect it so it's about being open to, to whatever comes along Mate, if they need a nutritionist, get me in. You were the first to call. <laughs> <laughs> for the forwards. David, thank you very much for joining us. Best of luck against England this weekend and, of course, the Autumn Nations Cup. Thanks very much. Cheers, Humps. Cheers, boys. Thanks very much. Good lad. Top bloke. Top bloke, Humpses. Fair play. D- David Humpsville. Get it? David Humpsville, yeah. I just put yeah, the willy on the end. The willy on the end. I t- I, <laughs> I'm quite envious of a role like that. I would, if I was to get back into rugby, and this is something that I think about a lot, whether one day I'll ever get back in at any level. You're coming out of retirement again, mate? No, mate. I can't. Maybe. Well, again, I can do it. You can do it. I can do it, pal. Uh, contract talk stalled, gents. Just to let you know. But with Curry Chieftains, I don't even know if it's Chieftains now, China. Um, but I watch him at Georgia and Vern at Fiji and these other nations. How cool would it be? I mean. Especially if you're multilingual like me, you mentioned French and Dutch. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's Georgian. But it'd be great to get involved, I think. And fair play to him. He comes with a great pedigree and he's a lovely bloke. I see what you're thinking here, Jim. You're thinking take a consultancy role on somewhere away from where you live and you get less time with the kids. Vegas. Wow. Vegas. <laughs> Vegas. Team in Vegas team. There? The Raptors. Think, is it the Raptors? Is it, is it the Vegas Raptors? They can be whatever, mate. They can be called the Vegas Vapors, mate. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like Humps, obviously, you know, he straight batted everything around Gloucester. You know, we've spoken about it on here as well, haven't we? Around the changes that were made and you know decisions that were taken out of his hands. He can't say anything, I'm sure. But yeah, it's a great opportunity for him. I'm sure he was building at Gloucester and wanted to stay there. You know, Lance Bradley gets involved and, you know, it's a, an absolute cowboy show, isn't it? If you dig through the archives, though, if it kicks off in a scrap at the weekend, you know the Georgians are beating England because they beat him up a couple of years ago in training, didn't they? When we, they mate, certainly did. Wigsville was there. 
Wiggs Villa was in the middle of it all, pretending to try and split it up. I'm throwing a few jabs. Get, get the uppercut, get the uppercut. And Scotland head to Florence to play Italy with no Finn Russell or Adam Hastings. But good to see Duncan Weir back in the number 10 jersey, boys. Who would have thought? Screech! Who would have thought we would have seen Little Meatball back in a 10 jersey so quickly? <laughs> Goody will know. Little been, Meatball. Been carving up, been carving up for Worcester. He's been really good. Now, not, not many Scottish players, one, leave Scotland, and two... When they leave Scotland, they really make a mark on whatever team they're in. We've seen that Johnny Gray's done that. Hoggy, Finn, myself, and uh, <laughs> and Dun- Dunky Weir, you know, left. You say, hold on, you say you left Scotland. I'm just confused because you never, you were never there, really. Well, I left, came back, and then left again, and just went oh, out okay. there into the open world and just learned a load of cultural things that have made me into the well-rounded human that I am today. But it's not about me; it's about Dunky. How well has he done at Worcester, Goody? Yes. I know, yes. I know, Worcester haven't done great. But he's from everything that I've seen and, and watched him, he looks like he's done really well. Yeah, and Donkey Weir, I'm not bitter about this, but he got voted as the best 10 to ever wear the Worcester number 10 shirt. And I'm like, mate, you've got to be joking. But listen, he he has played well. Everyone, the news has always been around. Finn Russell, was he in the squad? Fallout with uh, Gregor Townsend. Adam Hastings coming through and then boom. And it's sod's law, isn't it? Both players get some uh, you know decent long-term injuries that are seeing him out. I know Finn's out of the whole tournament in terms of the Autumn Nations Cup, uh, from what I hear, Adam Hastings is out of the Six Nations as well. So it's a massive opportunity for Dunkey Weir. And we will hold our hands up, tip the slipper to him. The lid that we gave him a bit of banter for, a big apology is coming from both of us because we said he looked like Screech Powers. We said it was the most horrific lid ever. He's raising money for an unbelievable cause in Acorns. So he might look a bit daft with his massive bushy mane at the weekend, but it's for a fantastic cause, Acorns Hospice in uh, Worcestershire which I've been to uh, as a Worcester player and I hope he really goes well but I'm also hoping that Italy win because fuck me they need a victory don't they my word they do and this is uh, is it their only opportunity no is it a game they like to target yes but I think that the tides have kind of changed a little bit on that but you know Italy again Pelledri's been brilliant Jake Pelledri when he's played Seb Negri as well in the back row Minazzi at the 15. How good. Uh, mate, he's really good. So they've got some good players. They just need to string it all together. Gambonisi, the number 10. Uh, does that sound Italian or, or German? <laughs> das is good. Yeah, das ist das Guten. Yeah, um, Garbisi, but yeah, anyway. Garbisi. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's, mate, he's a good player. I think he's ready now. He's like 20. Let's just say he's 15. But he's, tw- he's 20 <laughs> years old. He's ready for the now. But... It'd be interesting for Scotland because on a high after Wales, can they back it up? So again, it's a rhetorical question. We'll find out. Speaking of Scotland, producer Tim caught up with Sir Ian McGeekin for our superfan subscription service at patreon.com. And we played a quick clip last week, but we left out the bit where he explained why he never picked Jim for the Lions tour. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. And just quickly, I don't want to bring up the, the one you lost in South Africa in 2009, but I promised I'd ask him this. So... Jim Hamilton says he was flying that year. He was in the form of his life and he didn't get picked. So why didn't you pick him? And he says he would have made the difference. <laughs> we are just looking at miles per hour and Jim was probably just 10 miles per hour and not quite quick enough to be at the, at the breakdowns. At least, yeah, at least. We'll go with that. I'll tell him. I'll pass that on. <laughs> um, and well, we've, we've worked together in the, in the media with Jim as well. Um, and you'll be involved yeah. again with this, uh, with this Lions tour in, um, in 2021. Um, so we look forward to seeing you giving your insights there. But you've also been heavily involved in the creation of the new Lions app. Um, that's just been launched and there's a part of that that might interest Big Jim as well because 
there's a new bit of technology that Vodafone have created that lets people turn themselves into a, a virtual Lions player using augmented reality. So Jim can finally become a Lion, can't he? Exactly. And, and he can have the right body shape and everything because uh, uh, the avatar is Paul O'Connell. <laughs> and, uh, so he can get his, get his head onto that body and uh, be a Lion and, and uh, look the part. Although, to be fair to Jim... He, he was a, I'm only saying it because he was a very good player for Scotland and uh, he wasn't that far away from uh, from Lions Tours. But yeah, the, it, it's just the tech now, the digital um, programmes that, that Vodafone are putting together, I've found fascinating. And, uh, you know, you can, I think just as a fan, you can get involved in a different way when you're putting the Lions strip on, you can do some of the uh, sort of movements and things and I think there'll be things evolving over the next six months as well that um, you know mean you can you can be part of the tour and I think as I said earlier fans and Lions support and Lions is just synonymous now with what the Lions tour is so having an app like this where you can become part of it I think is a it's fantastic. My daughter has already uh, got herself in a Lions jersey on there doing some of the moves. So she did message me with, with some of these antics on the on the living room carpet. <laughs> well, uh, Jim, Jim, he says he, um, he says he taught your 2021 Lions skipper, if you were the coach, Mario Toji, everything he knows at Saracens. So <laughs> I'm sure he'll just be putting his head on Mario's body. He likes that physique and um, getting himself into all sorts of... Um, of movements that he would never have been able to do as a player, Jim. <laughs> yeah, well, and and to be fair, I think this is where Maro and, and you forget, you know, how experience and where you learn things. And um, that's where I think Maro is such a good um, lion. You know, he's obviously there in 2017, but people like Jim and their experience. And in a way at Saracens, you, you've got a Scottish approach or involvement. You've got an English one which is halfway to what you experience as a, as a lion anyway. And, you know, I learned so much as a coach and a player being part of Lions Tours, simply because the players are so good and their understanding of rugby is so good that you, you end up with conversations where you're just learning things all the time and tactically accelerating things at a far greater rate than you would at club level or even at international level in some cases. So, you know, that learning, I can understand that learning that Jim will have put into to that process without, without a doubt. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. What do you make of that, Jim? Well, I, I agree. 2009, I weren't at me quickest. I weren't at me quickest. <laughs> I'll admit, I weren't ready. I weren't ready, lads. 2013, though, I was bloody ready. And Mate, it still didn't no. go. Why? Mate, you were a cart horse your old career, pal. If you're talking speed and you're talking a need for speed, you could never say you got faster. That's Mr. Gilmore's jacket, like freak show running Andrew, down the wing. Andrew, I am telling you now, if we if they had GPS of players going into a breakdown, you would struggle to find a quicker man than me. <laughs> the <laughs> minute at a breakdown. No, I'm, I'm talking about the attacking one. The minute I launched off my feet, mate, I am flying through the air like a bullet. <laughs> to give a pen away. Could you be a bit disappointed that he never mentioned you about picking you for the Lions? I was on standby, got the official letter in 05, but thank fuck I didn't get on that one because that was a shambles. Exactly, mate. Who wanted to be on there? <laughs> he did mention it to me, though, when we were in Hong Kong uh, a couple of years ago with him. We did that lunch with him, didn't we, Jim? He said he wished he'd pick me now. How good's Hong Kong? 
Yeah, amazing. But he did say he wished he'd have picked me in 2005. He took Charlie Hodgson, Johnny Wilkinson, and Stephen Jones. He just needed a, a fourth just for the midweek shags, just to up the ante, keep the boys happy because it was a shit tour. Well, if you want to hear more from CM McGeekin, you can head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod. It's just a few quid a month for loads of extra interviews and features, and we couldn't do all this without you. So massive thanks to you if you've signed up already so far. Right, let's get your official predictions locked in for the Guinness Match Pint predicted this weekend. But before we do that, uh, you've been sent a prize, haven't you, Jim, for beating Goody and uh, some other Guinness legends during the Six Nations? Yep, Guinness sent me a game day bundle. Woo-hoo! And a pair of Guinness slippers. I don't want to be horrible, and I don't want to send them back, and I won't. But I am a size 15, and I think they've sent me a size 8. It's a unisex, unifit, whatever size, but I'll take it. Talking of slippers, they've tipped the slipper to me. Get it? I do, Jim. Well yeah, done. Cause, New cause comp, put... no. New comp, fresh energy. Well, You're we'll going see. down this time, Jim. You are going down. Well, if you beat, if you if you predict Italy to beat Scotland, then you've lost in week one anyway. So <laughs> we will see. With Guinness pints temporarily off the table as the pubs are shut, Match Pint are now awarding home bundles to the winner of each round overall. So you can still predict and still win a Guinness game day setup. We've got hold of some as well. So the overall winner of our league at the end of the round three will be sent a bundle for the final round of games. It's a new tournament this weekend, so all private leagues will be set back to zero and everyone gets to go again. Just No, no, just keep them rolling. Keep them rolling. Please, thank God for that. Just download the Matchpoint app from all good app stores and predict the winner and margin of each game. Give it a go. Make sure you join our league by using the code RUGBYPOD as well. All right, Island View, Wales. Island by eight. No, I'm not. I'm going to go Island by 10. 12. Damn, what am I going to go? Keep Ireland going. To Keep going. I'm going to go Island by 12. I think Wales will be better. Yeah, they will. I'm going to go Island by 10. Oh, all right. Well, there's nothing in it, really. Italy v Scotland? Italy. It's got to be Italy. You Come on, Italy. Italy. Go on, then. Say it. Say it. I really want to go Italy, but I can't do it because of Stuart Hogg, how good Stuart Hogg is. Although, did you see the advert for Amazon Prime Sport? It came through the TV. It's fucking off his shin. The kickoff came off his shin, mate. <laughs> well, that's what, well, that's why it went through the TV. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go Scotland by... We'll go Scotland by 12. Oh, that's what I was going to do because I think it'll be closer than you think. Not because of Donkey, because it's in Italy and the travel. Why are you being horrible to Donkey? I'm not being horrible to Donkey. I was just about to talk up Jake Pelletri. That's what's going to be the thing. <laughs> uh, Scotland by 13. Oh. England v Georgia. Oh, I don't oh. want to be horrible, but Huntville, you've got to keep it under 50. Ugh. I'm going to go... Again, who knows what Eddie Jones is going to do. England by... Ugh, 50. Really? Ugh. Yeah, it's a... Oh, yeah. I mean, having spoken to David Humphreys and realised that they haven't played too much, yeah, obviously the game against Scotland, it's been difficult. They've lost a load of senior players. I'm, I might go a few more. I might go England by 58. You've got to Sorry, look at, Humps. No, you've got to look at that England-Georgia game. England are as good as New Zealand, arguably now. New Zealand would put 50 ugh, on an Italy, on a Georgia that's what we're talking here. So it's they not wouldn't make they lost to Australia at the weekend. Let's not talk up New very Zealand, true, mate. mate. Very true. You're actually right. <laughs> France, Fiji. Uh, France, Fiji. Closer than you think. France by 12, I'm going. I was going to say France by 10, so it doesn't really matter what Goody says. If he goes 12, I go 10. I might change it once the teams come out, but for the millions of people that are influenced by me, if you go on the league, you'll see it might fluctuate depending on who's picked. <laughs> 
Budgie Smuggler are on board with us again this week, guys. Uh, so keep your weirder than weird fish stories coming in on social media to be in with a chance to win a pair of limited edition rugby pod budgies. Jim, you've got something this week, haven't you? Well, I got asked about the weirdest thing that's happened in recent times. And I didn't want to delve too far back into the archives, but I was looking through my phone at good times. And one of the best times we had was a Lions tour down in New Zealand a few years ago, wasn't it? And for the millions of people that now listen on top of the millions of people that listened before when I told this story, you know, I don't want to get political and I don't want to jump on this coronavirus bandwagon and start pointing fingers like like the former president did Donald Trump. But China, do you remember I spoke about this story before, lads, where we were at the airport, Goody, in Auckland, and I've walked into the toilet, looking forward to getting home and seeing the kids. We had a great time for the Lions tour. And as I've walked in to the toilet, some man from China, I think it was China, he looked Chinese, what his bum hole did, definitely, that's all I know. He's got one <laughs> foot up, he's got one foot up on the urinal, like that, with a baby wipe going under. No problem with the under. Okay, we've spoke about it before, I'm a forward wiper. With a baby wipe, with one rotation, I've never seen a bum hole wipe so quickly in my life, and held up the baby wipe. But that's what I walked into at Auckland Airport. Mate, he's a Kiwi. It explains it. So there's my weird story for this week. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot more that I can bring to the table, but I just thought in the current times that we find ourselves in, not that we're blaming China um, and not that we're trying to stereotype people from any parts I can say it because I'm a quarter Chinese my name's Papua and she's Chinese but that was pretty weird walking to a toilet and someone is forward wiping with a baby wipe taking up two urinals and smelling it we'll just say you smell it at the end <laughs> I don't forget Budgie Smuggler have designed our very own limited edition rugby pod face masks uh, so you can get your hands on them and loads of other great gear for winter as well as obviously Budgie Smugglers at budgiesmuggleruk.com a donation will be made to the Matt Hampson Foundation for every one of the rugby pod masks that get sold as well so big thanks to Budgie Smuggler for all their support and make sure you go and check them out at budgiesmuggleruk.com Right let's finish things off with the goo, the bad and the ugly and sons are on board again this week aren't they Goody? Yeah, sons are back and you've been sticking to their routine again, haven't you, Jim? Week in, week out, day in, day out, and it's grown a moustache as well now. That was going to be my point. I don't know whether it was the beard that weren't doing me any favours, but I'm looking at myself and the millions of you out there, you might be looking at me on YouTube. If you're not, you're listening to me. I look effing incredible. And I don't know, I don't know whether it's the air <laughs> or it's the moustache or it's the combo, but I look incredible at the minute. That, that, yeah. Steve, I do. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Sons is a men's health brand that's helping guys with one of the key issues that they don't often talk about, how to keep their hair. They do this by offering free online consultations with GPs, providing a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and delivering via a monthly subscription service direct to your door. They get results in 9 out of 10 men as well and you can take the consultation in less than 2 minutes. So make sure you visit sons.co.uk and use the code RugbyPod20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N ns.co.uk and the code is rugbypod20 so make sure you go and check them out and show here loss who's boss yeah not much rugby on as we know this weekend but i found a few bits of good a few bits of bad and a couple of bits of ugly we'll start off with the good though and we'll start off down near london dealing trail finders the guy's unbelievably wedged up he's trying to buy his way into the premiership as well the owner of the Ealing trail finders but they beat the Newcastle Falcons, my old team, in Saw a pre-season that. friendly. I don't know what pre-season Ealing are planning for because, you know, I'm not even sure whether the Champo's going ahead at the minute. But 
They spanked them as well, 38-17. The trailblazers, mate, they love it. Exactly. Uh, Newcastle, a lot of work to do before the Premiership kicks off again in a few weeks. Uh, but tip of the slipper to Ealing. We've got to mention them. We have to mention them every week because Leinster under-14s did a job this week, winning 26-7 down at the Ospreys. And their winning streak in the Guinness Pro 14 gym is now at 24 games. I know 24 that. games I know. unbeaten. Uh, a fabulous effort from Leinster under-14s. Uh, and their five bonus point wins on the spin to start this season is their best ever start to the Guinness Pro 14. So tip the slipper, tip the Guinness, tip the Leinster under-14s. They are some team. What else was good? Anton Dupont, finally. People listened to me and you, didn't they, Jim? We, we called it. I mean, we said it last week. He won the Six Nations Player of the Tournament um, by Country Mile as well, by all accounts. Uh, fabulous Six Nations for him. And on top of that, Emily Scarrett gets a mention as well. She won the Women's Player of the Tournament, uh, head and shoulders above any other player in that tournament. Uh, what else was good, Jim? Tell me you saw this. Your man, and I don't mean your man in a tackle sense, but your man, your buddy, Sergio Parise, tell me you saw his crossfield, crossfield kick for Saw it. Unbelievable techers. He's about 46, st- stepping up at 10 after about 38 phases. They've gone the length of the field pretty much. And he puts a pinpoint crossfield kick in off the right shin. Better he's than just, anything I've ever done. I know. He's just gone, fuck it, and kicked it. He's, just like, <laughs> he's thought, I've had enough. Phenomenal, phenomenal play by him. Uh, 48 years of age, still rocking up and crossfield kick goers everywhere. So uh, tip of the slipper to Sergio Parise. Um, but the good this week can only go to one place, Andy Rowe. They had their pants pulled down last week. The Australians, they beat the All Blacks. Their bounce-back ability was, a f- was phenomenal. <laughs> they absolutely spanked the All Blacks. They dominated them from, from the hacker. Let's just say they dominated the hacker. Did anyone hear TJ Perinara's hacker? His voice went, ah! at the start of it. Doesn't he matter. got it all. Still yeah, and that's, that's where it went wrong for him. So, uh, big tip of the slipper to the Australians. We berated them last week for how bad they were. They got the bad last week. This week, they get the good. Right, the bad. Uh, a few bits of bad as ever this week. And obviously, a few bits of bad from France. Why not? We start off with Agen, and they lost their eighth straight game in the top 14 this season at home to Lyon. They're bottom of the table and pretty garbage. So it could be a long old season for Agen. Uh, what else was bad? We'll stay in France. Of course we will. We always try and get one of my old clubs to mention in the good, the bad or the ugly. This week, breathe. Breath. Breath. Yeah, breathe. They've lost... Four on the spin now, and they've gone to second bottom of the table uh, after their 35-19 defeat at Toulon. Um, and Sergio Parise did the crossfield kick. Any team that's got a forward doing that against them, you're having a bad time, so you have to get a mention in the bad. Um, what else was bad? Scottish rugby, Jim. What's happened now? Well, just the injuries. No, nothing bad. Oh, okay. okay. Apart from the two injuries. So we've got to mention Finn Russell's injury, the old groin, and Adam Hastings popped his shoulder. Uh, they're both out for quite a while, so um, not good news for Scottish rugby fans. What else was bad? Well, Wales. We talked about them last week as well in the bad. This week, they lose their defence coach, Byron Hayward, after the, having five straight defeats. Sam Warburton's jump ship. Ryan Jones has jumped ship as well from their role, so not a good week to be a Welsh rugby fan. But they don't get the bad this week because there's only one place this can go. It doesn't happen often. In fact, it rarely ever happens. But the bad this week has to go to the arrogant All Blacks. So arrogant. Pulling their Australians' pants down last week and this week, 
you lose. Was it complacency? Was it arrogance? arrogance. You lost to the Aussies after a record victory last week. I reckon you just thought, Team changes. Matter, we can do what we want. Does it, no, they said it's not a B team. They said it's not a B team. It was a very strong All Blacks team. You were bad. You lost. Take it, Andy Rowe. The All Blacks, you get the bad this week. It's like Suns. Acceptance is stage one. Step one. Uh, and then the ugly um, only really one or two bits of ugly this week. And it both came from the same game that's dominated the good and the bad, the ugly. The Australia versus New Zealand, Bledisloe 3, where Australia won Andy Rowe. I don't know whether I mentioned that. Uh, but the two bits of ugly come from the two red cards. And Offa Tungafasi's red card gets a mention. But for me, the one that was way worse, Lockie Swinton becoming the first Wallaby to be sent off on debut with a shoulder charge to the head of the great Sam Whitelock. Um, we've seen some high shots being put in. Got to aim lower, boys. Lockie Swinton. Unfortunately, you get the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And you boys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yes, we have. I've got a few Movember shout-outs that we will put at the end. But firstly, I just wanted to say and give a shout-out to ISF Charity event that's coming up this weekend. They put on great events, and this is their first virtual one, such as the world that we live in at the moment. Doddy wears a big part of it, along with Sir Chris Hoy, and there's appearances from the likes of George Gregan, Jason, Leonard, me old ballbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's raising money for Cambodia's holistic aid program, and it's on Saturday the 14th of November. So just email events.isf at gmail.com if you're interested. Goody, that's coming out of Hong Kong. And our good friend Martin Murray from Cathay Pacific. So a big shout out to him as well because he does a lot of good things for Doddy and a lot of good things in Hong Kong as well. Yeah, they certainly do. And I've got a shout out to the Matt Ratana Foundation. As we all know and we've spoken about before, Matt Ratana was murdered in the line of duty. Uh, he's a fabulous bloke that the Barbars were actually going to pay tribute to last week with their socks. Um, did a lot of good stuff. Yeah, the Matt Ratana Rugby Foundation... Um, has been launched and they've created an unbelievable tribute uh, release to try and spread the love for such an incredible guy. The video on his Instagram page will be Try for Matt, so take a look at that. They're trying to raise as much money as possible and they're also setting up an exchange program as part of Matt's legacy once the COVID mist lifts so players from New Zealand can come over to England and vice versa. So please take a look at Try for Matt on Instagram. An amazing bloke who had some unbelievable values and such a shame with what happened to him. Here, Goody, and some more shout-outs this week as it's November, also known, a.k.a. as Movember. And in the same vein as last week, I'm going to rattle through a few. We've got Guy Chittenden, Bob Mojo on Instagram, as well as growing the Mo. He's agreed to make the most of his shocking mop aka the lid I imagine, of lockdown hair. His mates have slated him so much that he's now agreed that it needs to have a good cause to justify it. So he's agreed to grow a 10-inch ponytail, my goodness me, and he'll donate the physical hair to the Little Princess Trust to make hair pieces for youngsters and kids that are fighting cancer. Well, that's pretty amazing as well. We've got Thomas Raffles Thurlow. Sounds very posh, but it doesn't matter because he's doing great things as well. And he's doing Movember for testicular cancer to raise a bit of awareness for prostate cancer, having been diagnosed with prostate cancer earlier this year at the age of 38, which is pretty rare. I realise there are only so many times you can have another man's finger in you before growing a tash. It just feels like the right thing to do. <laughs> I've had great support from my fellow coaches at the club and some of the boys are getting involved and growing for Movember too. 
Cancer is bloody horrible and I would encourage anyone out there to take a minute to look it up, check yourself out and if you're ever diagnosed, remember that it doesn't define who you are. Good on you, Thomas. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well. Ruby Pod. Pod, pod, pod. Pod, pod, pod.